0: What are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Well, got to briefly talk about that D-Backs collapse to the Brewers. Then we got part two with Silly Baseball, deciding if the hottest teams in the NL are contenders or pretenders. And then part one with Javier Reyes of Locked on Padres, discussing and even power ranking the most disappointing teams from the first half this season, all on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Welcome into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24, at On there, you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Diamondbacks both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. One of those platforms is YouTube, so please hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. But now, we got a full jam-packed show for you guys today. So, I want to keep the recap of the game a little tight, a little bit short. Plus, the D-backs play at 10.30 in the morning by the time you guys are listening to this podcast. So, it may not be super relevant depending on what time you listen to this. But, I just want to talk about the game because I think the whole story, the big takeaway from the from this game against the Brewers game 2 was Ketel Marte giveth Ketel Marte take it because Ketel Marte was the story of the game both good and bad because let's first start with the positive with Keto Marte because he was the main reason the D-backs jumped out to a 4-0 lead after two innings because Marte in the first inning was able to get on base he was a triple shy of the cycle he got on base in the first inning before the MVP Corbin Carroll brought him home Ketel Marte's slash line now after the game after going three for five 293, 366, 498. He basically has as many home runs as last season in just half the time. So Queto Marte is definitely starting to look like the old Queto Marte or maybe the young Keto Marte, however you want to phrase it. So when you get him going with Carroll, Walker, Gurriel, and all those guys are clicking, this offense is really going to be phenomenal. Gurriel in a little bit of a slump right now, but back to Marte. First inning, score the run. Second inning, big three-run dinger, like I just said. Already at 11 this year, had like 12 of had like 12 in all of last season and doubled the plate appearances. So Marte might be on pace for a huge power season, maybe something similar to what he bad. Maybe it's not bad. What he had a few years ago when he had that fourth in MVP voting season and had 30-plus home runs. Keto Marte has shown us in the past he can be the best player at his position and maybe he's going to be that in the second half of this season for the D-backs offensively because we know this is someone that can go on tears and really help carry an offense and be a juggernaut in someone's offense and with. Corbin Carroll doing what he does with the other guys I mentioned. It's really positive stuff. But you need more than just offense from Ketel Marte. From everyone, defense has been a little bit of an issue, it feels like, the last three weeks. And Ketel Marte, he had a couple of defensive lapses in the seventh inning. Perkins was running all over the D-backs in that inning. And the Brewers were able to rally from a 4-0 deficit. And the, the Brewers have only... I think two rallies all season um, in terms of erasing a deficit and they've both come this week. One was against the Pirates and then they won this game and they trailed by four runs. So this was like a uh, a cataclysmic event for the Milwaukee Brewers because this kind of stuff doesn't happen for them. Maybe if it was a one or two run ball game, but four runs for this Brewers offense is usually nearly impossible. But when you got guys like Jesse Winker hitting their first home run of the season, then yeah, maybe it is a little bit possible. And Austin Adams and Kyle Nelson were not able to get it done. I do find it funny that Nelson always comes in. I feel like Nelson is not great with runners in scoring position or at least inherited runners that are already in scoring position. I don't trust him in that scenario. I love Kyle Nelson when it's like a one-run ball game, whether you're up or behind, but there's nobody on. Like, if he has to come in, just pitch a clean seventh or eighth, I love Kyle Nelson. But if he has to come in with two on, and even if there's two outs, I feel like he's likely to give up a hit in that scenario. But Nelson wasn't... Great. Adams wasn't great. Ryan Nelson was okay. Pitching was not the best in this game as they gave up seven earned runs. Some of it was courtesy of Ketel Marte's defensive lapses in the seventh, but the story of the game was definitely Ketel Marte, the good and the bad they produced. But with Zach Allen on the mound in the series finale against the Brew Crew, I'm feeling pretty confident that the D backs are going to tie up this series. And hopefully, by the time you guys listen to this podcast, I wasn't wrong on that prediction. But now let's talk to Sully Baseball.
1: All right. We're here with Miller Thomas of Locked On Diamondbacks. Fire off a couple more contenders. We'll see which ones are for real, which ones are going to fade away.
0: Yeah, well, the other one for me, just looking at the NL West, I mean, this San Francisco Giants team, all of a sudden, seven game winning streak actually has the best run differential in the NL West as well. I mean, this Giants team, I always thought they had like solid major leaguers. Like we always talk about this Giants team as like a land of misfit toys where they have above average major leaguers at a lot of positions, but we didn't feel like they had a lot of foundational building block pieces outside of a Logan Webb, not a lot of franchise changing players. We felt like they were just the perfect team where if you needed an extra utility piece or you needed that extra bat for the deep postseason run at the at the deadline, then you go pick off a player from the San Francisco Giants. But right now, everyone just kind of coming together for them. Conforto's having like a pretty decent season. Jock Peterson once again is looking like the all-star of that team. J.D. Davis, like they've had so many dudes just put up crazy numbers. The Mont Wade's of the world is having a really fantastic season as well. And this Giants team, I just don't know what to expect for them because it always feels like on paper, I don't like them. And then you look up at the standings at the end of the season, they always do better than maybe our expectations for them. They're kind of like the NL version of the Tampa Bay Rays, I think.
1: Well, I and mean, Wade the other day off in, against Los Angeles fouled the ball off his foot and the trainer to come out. And we were like, oh man, and of course, my thought always goes to the worst i thought oh my god he Mm -hmm. broke his foot is his career over they got to amputate his leg is they they got what's going to happen and not only did he stay in the game but he wound up homering and doubling and he got on base like three or four times and sparked the giants to that victory and there there are always guys like that on this giants team who are Coming up to contribute, you saw today with you know Villar hit the huge home run. Yastrzemski hit the big huge home run. They play better than the sum of their parts. And the Giants are a weird team, especially since Kapler arrived. uh I th- I was never impressed by Kapler as a manager with Philadelphia. I didn't. I never understood. Go back to the tape when Bochi decided to leave. I said, "We'll hand the car keys over to one of his lieutenants. Take a drink, everyone." And, you know, hand the ball to, you know, hand the managerial keys to Roberto Kelly, who was one of his coaches, or Ron Wotus, who was one of his coaches, or Hensley Mullins, who was one of his coaches. And instead, they gave it to a guy who I never was impressed by as a manager. The COVID season happened. That was a wash. Then they won 107 games. And then they went 500. And so I've said on this show, I never thought they was as good as 107 wins. And I never thought they were as bad as 500 I felt they were somewhere in between and we're seeing the Giants are basically playing like a team that's probably going to win 85 86 wins which is probably what they are (laughs) which is probably what they actually are and um and we're seeing them play you know playing well and and getting some good pitching from some of their key pitchers um and I it wouldn't surprise me if they are contending by the end of the year
0: yeah, and maybe they get frisky at the deadline, a team that was sniffing around the Aaron judges and trying to sign the Carlos Correa's last year. Maybe they say, you know what? We missed out on those star players, but we still have built this team that's on pace to win 90, you know, between 88 and 92 wins. Maybe we go out there and make a big splash at the deadline because as we always talk about, it seems like week in and week out, you just have to get in the postseason dance and then anything is possible. Maybe the Giants believe that. Maybe they go out there and add a piece or place Brandon Crawford or something at the shortstop or maybe add another position or another pitcher in their rotation.
1: They're dying to make a splash. Yeah, They're absolutely dying to make a splash. Um, But, you know, we'll see. Uh, The Pirates are very weird. They've had stretches where they look unbeatable and stretches where they look terrible. They happen to be in a terrible stretch right now. Um, And, uh, you know, anyone else in the... I mean, like, the Phillies have come back. It's tough to call the defending National League champions a surprise. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it was surprising how bad poorly they played and again we're keeping this to the positive surprises we've yapped enough about the Mets Cardinals and Padres um and you know the Brewers I think a bunch of people thought were going to be contenders um I I honestly think right now the most startling is the Reds who in uh, in fewer than two weeks have gone from complete also ran to You know, to being in first place by themselves. Right now, let me just just to give everyone a sense of how strange this is. Think about going into this year. How teams like the Mets, Cardinals, and San Diego were on the tips of everyone's tongues for being a uh, contender, being playoff teams. If the playoffs started today, the two teams that would get the buy, you know, not have to play in the wild card series would be the top-ranked Atlanta. And I think Atlanta was a consensus pick to be a playoff team. I know a lot of yeah. people thought the Mets might win the division. I thought the Braves were going to win the division. That's not at all surprising. So the top yeah. spot goes to Atlanta. The second spot who gets the bye would be Arizona. Oh! And Surprise. then the – so then home field to the National League Central Champion Reds who would play the Dodgers – Wow. So the Dodgers would have to go to Cincinnati. And then the Giants would be one of the wild card teams, but they would be on the road against Miami. So Arizona, Cincinnati and Miami would all be would all have home field, well actually no, Arizona wouldn't be would even get to buy. So Cincinnati and Miami would be the hosts of the wild card round.
2: I've Meanwhile,
1: so- the uh Mets Padres Cardinals Phillies Brewers and Cubs would all be playing golf that's weird
0: yeah I I don't understand how this season is shaking up right now and that Cincinnati Reds team like there's so many players like Luke Weaver's like the number two starter for the Cincinnati Reds and they're somehow winning games which is just Unbelievable. I never thought there'd be a world where Luke Weaver's leading a rotation and he's been terrible. Don't get me wrong. He's been terrible this year, but somehow he's a number two starter for that Cincinnati Reds team. Their whole rotation really hasn't been that good outside of Hunter Green, who's been solid, you know, throwing 105 every time he can. But that rotation is just not good. And
1: somehow the Cincinnati Reds are winning ballgames. And welcome back, Joey Votto. Yeah. He came back and hit a home run today in his first game back. Baseball's is he? always a little bit better. With Joey Votto. So we're going to see how some of these surprise teams go. Um, I'm going to throw out our trivia question. So if you know the answer to the trivia question, be the first to post it either on to Sully Baseball on Twitter, uh, Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter, or here on the YouTube channel in our comments. Now, here is the question. Who was the last closer to lead the league in saves and throw the clinching pitch of the World Series in the same year. Oh, wow. That the man on the mound when they clinched the World Series and threw the final pitch was also the person who led the league in saves that year. If you know the answer, send it to me. Be the first to send me the correct answer at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast. On Instagram or down here in the YouTube notes, um and I had to I had to double check this one. I had to double check this one because I was like, "Oh wait a minute, did I get this wrong? Did I get that?" And then I had to, oh whoa, there was a couple of times someone led the league in saves, um, and you're like, "Oh wow, uh I don't remember that one. Do not remember that one." But is
0: it one of those? Is it a very obscure name? That- no. Okay.
1: no, it's a well-known name. That's one hint. It was a well. It wasn't like Mike Montgomery closing out the World Series for the Cubs. Also, it just shows that sometimes the player who piles up the most saves is not necessarily the one who's closing out the World Series, but also a bunch of times the person on the mound when they clinch is not someone you're expecting when the year began. You have a situation like Koji Uehara. By the way, the answer is not Koji Uehara because he wasn't even right. the Red Sox closer for the first third of that season. But you've also seen some strange ones like Madison Bumgarner came out of the bullpen for the oh, Giants, yeah. or Chris Sale came out of the bullpen for the Red Sox, or Charlie Morton came out of the bullpen for the uh, uh, Houston Astros. And Mike Montgomery pulled the was the, uh, the last man standing for the Cubs. So Tell me the last pitcher to clinch the World Series who also had led his league in saves that year. Send that along and we will talk.
0: We'll get now into a conversation with Javier Reyes of Lockdown Padres about the most disappointing teams from the first half of the season. But. Don't forget to catch every d pitch on their hometown broadcast when we download the Sirius XM app and search up Diamondbacks. Without further ado, let's bring on the man for the crossover this hour, Javier Reyes of Locked on Padres. I didn't bring him on, I just unmuted him, but there he is. <laughs>
2: How are you, sir? I am doing phenomenal as always, sir. I love this partnership of ours. It's it's unfortunate because people don't see behind the scenes. When mm-hmm. Millard really just bullies me, okay. uh, it, it's actually quite abusive. It's mean. It's cruel. He's look. I, I've said for a long time mm. his Twitter presence with that very wow. little, like just classic that headshot. It's a ruse, ladies and gentlemen. You don't know the demon side. You don't know how absolute trash talkery wow. this man can be. It's true. I've seen the league chat messages, <laughs> my friend. Unfortunate. Now I will say this: no, not even be facetious at all. Like. I don't know why you're always winning at fancy sports Non-stop. Not it's insane. I've never seen anything like it. Good. Even say. when he's not good, he wins. Like his team isn't that good. He wins. It's got to get kidding. in the
0: dance. That's got to make the wild card.
2: It's true. It's true. That's absolutely. That's kind of what we got to talk about today is all the teams that might not even make the the, the dang dance, man. I mean, it's yeah. been a, a year of, I think. And we were kind of comparing, say, the drop off from teams from 2021 that were good to 2022 last year that were good. And the drop off from this year is is a lot bigger, I think, so far um, with teams in baseball. Like it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty harrowing when you when you look at just how much of a shakeup I think every division's had.
0: Yeah, I was talking with Sully Baseball yesterday. we just like, we don't really know. There's still so many question marks surrounding these divisions and who is still going to mm-hmm. get hot in the second half. Like We know the Braves are probably going to be there at the end. We know Tampa Bay is probably going to be there. I want to say my D-backs are going to be there. But outside of that, it's like this, these divisions are going to change and switch up so much. I mean, the Twins, the, the both the central divisions. I mean, mm-hmm. the NOS, you still got so much parity. The Giants are jumping the Dodgers. The Padres are getting hot. So it's like where the standings are right now could be drastically different. Um, by the end of the season and real quick one quick PS for the, for the listeners out there about how I bully Javi behind the scenes. I was the one that was bringing up how next week is our one month crossover anniversary. How I was going to send him <laughs> a nice gift, a nice box of chocolates, a little fruit bouquet to the door. It's going mm. to come on here and lie and slander my name. So I just want to put that out there. I was the one that remembered our one month anniversary coming up. He forgot, but yeah, the standings are crazy Javi. And mm-hmm. I'm looking at that NL West right now and your Padres in the last 10 games have been performing a little bit better. There's still a couple games below 500. I mean, the Giants are probably the shock in that division with how they've been playing. But mm-hmm. how are your Padres starting to look? It seems like they've been heating up at least a little bit. Are they finally starting to come through or runners in scoring position? <laughs>
2: Not totally. Uh, okay. At the time we're recording this, they lost a heartbreaking game against the Giants that everyone can go check out my show when I recap the game. But too long, didn't read version if it's too old of a a thing for you is there's questions around Bob Melvin's bullpen management that guys weren't quite ready. Should they have used Tim Hill? And, you know, Josh Hader wasn't available. Guys retired. But then the other thing was that they're one for seven with runners in scoring position, again. Uh, and they lost a game in which Wanso hit two home runs. So the runners in scoring position thing is still nuts. I think it's like below 200 still batting average uh, with runners in scoring position. The WRC plus numbers, if you want to get a little bit more advanced, is also still at the bottom. So they don't even have... I feel like that stat might point to, say, drawing more walks and maybe are they getting unlucky and what like that. No, no, no. It's not just unlucky. Uh, the Padres just straight up are just really terrible with runners in scoring position. That's the thing that's going to hold them back. Um, I wrote over at Just Baseball recently, which I Ooh. think the article will probably be out by now, uh, just a little panic monitoring for underperforming teams this year uh, that have been really bad, you know, teams like the the – the, the cardinals the mets and then the padres and i rank them at defcon 2.5 which i equate to when your mom leaves you at the grocery store line you oh. know what i'm saying you know how you know how you panic when they're like wait i gotta go get something and they leave you with the cart when you're a kid oh. and you're just sitting there and you're like what the heck and they're like all right next and you're you you do not know what to do that's the panic level they're at it's not the worst in the world okay but it's still it's not great man i mean it's is it 2.5 out of 10 no, is out of four, I'm pretty sure. oh, oh, so this yeah. is high. Yeah, so You, got, is, you guys
0: standing high. in line in the grocery store, like, <laughs> I was like, 2.5 <laughs> out of 10 for the grocery store line. I was like, that makes it. <laughs> out of four? Okay, you're, <laughs> you're getting some social anxiety now. All right. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> it's tough, man. It's yeah. tough. They are playing a little bit better, but it still just feels like the same sort of issues. And it's kind of remarkable, considering how good they are at every other facet of team building. Or at least I should say just not even team building, but just the the makeup of their team, I think is the way to put it.
0: Well, let me put you on the spot. Let's do a fun power ranking because we're going to talk about (laughs) the biggest MLB disappointments. I'm going to throw five teams at you based off last season's record in the standings and expectations coming to this year. How would you rank these five teams in terms of disappointment? Of course, sadly, have to put your team in there. Yeah, of, of course. Of I, course. To have to do I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. You're my boy. I don't want to do it, but in there and <laughs> there. St. Louis Cardinals, another team. Number three, New York Mets. And then to round it out with a little American League, how about the Cleveland Guardians mm-hmm. and the Seattle Mariners? If you had to power rank those teams one through five, who do you think has been the biggest disappointment of those five teams? Javi and I will continue in just a second, but don't forget to catch every d pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the Sirius XM app and search up Diamondbacks.
2: I'm going to say Mets number one. Mm. because bottom line is just the headliner, biggest payroll in history. You have to. And, And I know that the Padres is a lot, don't get me wrong, but I think they're up there. I would say Padres have to be number two. I would say that if we're doing by like a really, like if we're getting really into the nitty gritty, the Cardinals... Yeah. considering that their division is so bad. Very if you're a Dod- if you're a Padres fan, you could be like, Hey man, like if you're at a bar arguing with your jerk friends or whatever, that are saying you guys choke and st- you could say, Hey, well, uh, we have the giants who are consistently good and they find guys all the time. Gabe Kapper, what a manager of the year, two years ago. And they're, they're really smart with the way they build teams and they added some good pieces. And, you know, Lamont Wade is basically just Juan Soto right now. Like, it's yeah. it's possible to say that. And then you have the D backs who have a great farm and they have the top prospect in Corbin Carroll. And then you have the Dodgers as always. But with the Cardinals, it's like, you're getting Cincinnati's kicking your butts now. Yeah. You can't really beat the Cubs who aren't good. You're getting your butts kicked by Pittsburgh, the same team that allowed Javi Baez to score oh, when man. he was a force out at first and they tried to tag him. Like, like it's it's I think that the Cardinals is a little bit more embarrassing uh, for a lot of reasons. And I wrote them about them, too, in my article, which is kind of like, I mean, that team for how long has these started pitching and they just refuse to address it, apparently. So I'd say in order, Mets, Padres, but right, right, right behind them, Cardinals, because I really do think the division context matters. And yeah. then. I would go um, Cleveland just because Cleveland, they had some questions with their offense for last year, too, even when they were good. So, And then Mariners, I'd go five because I think that division is pretty good. And they haven't been awful, but they're just kind of they're regressing. You know what I mean? They still got good pitching. Julio's having a sophomore slump, but a good team. But just not – It's it's not the worst regression, though. It's not like they're completely imploding like some of the other teams.
0: Yeah, I have to check the wildcard standings real quick because I want to see how close the New York, the Mets are five games back. Yeah, I guess that's pretty bad. I was trying to think who (laughs) would work between the New York Mets and St. Louis Cardinals because the Cardinals, for all the reasons you just said, I mean, I think when we were picking division winners, the Cardinals might have been the biggest lock, not because they're the best team, but because, like you said, they're in the worst division. Like it was the Cardinals versus four other teams that weren't going to try entering this season, and the season the Brewers for yeah. all we know could finish first and then do what they did last year which is trade their best player away for no yeah. reason like and this yeah. Cardinals team is like loaded with young talent on the yeah. major league level with the Gormans and the Donovans and the Jordan Walkers surrounding yeah. the Goldschmidt's and the Nolan Arenado's like they got two of the top three MVP candidates from last season they got a bunch of young talent and to see what they've done this year I wouldn't be surprised if you want to put them number one. I would probably agree with your New York Mets number one because Mm. do you think this season changes for the New York Mets if they have like Carlos Correa on that roster? Because I I feel like it probably doesn't. I mean, Correa, I'm going to look up his numbers real quick. I don't even think he's having like an all-star. Yeah, he's gotten hot
2: recently, but he's been bad. And that would be my uh, honorable mention for number one. I would say 1B for biggest disappointments. Just every single player. That signed a big deal this offseason. Yeah. That's funny. Andres Jimenez of Cleveland, Manny Machado of the San Diego Padres, who's heating up recently, but let's just I'm just talking about right now. Uh Carlos Correa of the Minnesota Twins. Um, who else we got there? Justin Verlander for the Trey New York Nights. Did you say that? Trey Turner, who's just Isaiah Kiner Falefa. He's Nick Ahmed when Nick Ahmed isn't playing well. <laughs> oh god. That's <laughs> you know what I mean? a major leaguer there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I'm not I'm, I'm not kidding. WRC plus at eighty two. Last time I checked, Degrom. In fairness, injury related, but even still, yeah. uh, Carlos Rodon has not pitched yet. That was probably the second best available guy. Um, yeah. Xander Remember Bogarts, yeah, good, but like like solid, but the hitting is a problem. He's been a little bit injured, not as bad as Trey and Correa, but like it's just been all over the place, man. I guess Aaron Judge is kind of the exception. He's been hurt, but like mm-hmm. when he's playing, he's probably next to Otani the best guy we have. So.
0: Yeah, Dansby's been like, all right.
2: Dan's yeah, Dansby's, a, Dansby's another one, but compared to the rest of the class, I mean, Dansby Swanson yeah. is like the the second coming of <laughs> like the best shortstop ever, right? Like, it's just been crazy how disappointing the free agent class is. And it was a really, really solid free agent class in a lot of ways. But every single player for the most part, Josh Bell, if you want to bring him up from Cleveland, he's been pretty uh, horrid. So just Abreu hasn't really done much oh, right from Jose Astros. Abreu for the Astros. He's I think he's a negative war player right now. Last time I checked. Like it's it's that bad. It's just really it's a tough showcase, man. It's it's really tough to see what's happened uh for a lot of teams, um, and particularly those. So shouts and, to this free agent clash is thinking it up right now. And and Jimenez and Machado. And don't forget the
0: largest contract handed out in Chicago White Sox history. Andrew yes.
2: I forgot about that. Andrew <laughs> Benintendi, who has never been a superpower hitter, but I mean, geez, does he even have one home run? I think he might have yeah, just one. He has literally one solo solo mente home run. He's he's um what's that guy's name? Nick something nick madrigal he was on the the white Sox for a little bit a guy who just only hits like 300 but no power he'll hit like 300 and slug 300 <laughs> like he's just like it's just I, oh my gosh man just bad bad stuff all the way around yeah maybe that should have
0: been the title of segment number one should you continue to sign free agents because yeah, <laughs> look at the spot track it's bad dude i'm just i got to right? pull right in front of me it's bad right? i mean verlander he's been hurt but when he's pitched he's been like all right. He hasn't been like Justin Verlander. Chris Bassett's been like, I've had him on a couple of fancy teams. Like, he's either like six, you know, six innings, two mm-hmm. earned runs, or he's getting shelled for like three home runs or like seven. Yeah, runs. yeah. It was like yeah. over two innings pitched, so I don't know. I, I don't know, and I was really confident in this free agent. This felt like one of the more stacked free agent class after this year because yeah. the last few years it's been a shortstop carousel. Is another one this year with mm-hmm. the Bogarts and the Turners, mm-hmm. and then of course an Aaron Judge on the market. Where is Carlos Correa going to go? And it's like last couple of years. I mean, we look at free agents. It, I don't know if it's really worked out. I feel like trade candidates seem to have hit harder than free agents. I don't know if there's like any science behind that, but that's just more of a an eye test kind of thing when you're trading for the Goldschmidt's and the Mookie Betts of the world. It seems like those have worked mm-hmm. out like signing those guys in free agency, but I guess Lindor was a trade and he hasn't been exactly elite. He was a
2: sign and, and trade too. So that's the other sign and thing trade. About him. Yeah. Mm. I know that's more of a basketball term, but they traded for him and then extended him. So it's similar to that, I, I think, but
0: you are talking about yeah. injury. Edwin Diaz too. I mean, he got yeah. hurt immediately. So yeah, free agent class, boat track, not, look, not looking good. So, <laughs> Oh, Overall conclusion, don't pay your players. <laughs> Be cheap. Stop paying major leaguers. Let them walk in free agency. Don't overnight.
2: you dare, miss. You're so lucky you're a Diamondbacks <laughs> fan.
0: <laughs> Just- Angels, don't you pay that Shohei Otani. He's not worth the money. You let the greatest player of our generation <laughs> of all time. Maybe the GOAT. Just walk. Okay, guys? Mm-hmm. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for part two with Javier Reyes, where we break down some MLB trade deadline targets. I think we even discuss some MLB power rankings based off the latest Locked on power rankings. And of course, we'll talk about the D-backs finale against the brew crew come back tomorrow for more dimebacks news coverage and insight thank you for making lockdown dimebacks your first listen every day if you do listen every day put hashtag every day in the comment section on youtube and as always stay safe stay healthy Deuses.